You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Uh, tonight is episode 60, where we are discussing Where the Deer and the Antelope Play by Nick Offerman. Joining me tonight is uh, Chris and Jen's back. Hi, Jen's back. Woo! For this episode. For this episode, that's right. I tried to be on the last one, but life happened and I didn't get to read Harry Potter. So. That's okay. Uh, I'll get it, you there. You know, one day. <laughs> you're going to end up there and be like, hey, I'm coming for a visit. Like, yeah. So it's just us. We're just reading. That's all that's happening. So. <laughs> Fascinating before this started because I was watching the new Fantastic Beasts because it just got released on streaming and I had to do a bunch of stuff to do when I pepped off the last minute. Nice. Um. Well, let's talk about – okay, so let's go ahead and jump into this book. Um, this was Jen's pick in our uh, reading round, Robin, as we're kind of referring to it now. Uh, Jen, why did you pick this book? Um, well, we read a book by Nick Offerman last year. I may have picked that one too. I don't know. But uh, it was Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally's mm-hmm. um, you know, romance story, origin story, if you will. And I thought it was funny. I like Nick Offerman as an actor and I've seen his stand up before. So, you know, I just I, I like him as an entertainer and I like what he stands for when it comes to like nature and the natural conservation and stuff. So the book sounded interesting. It was his newest release. I have a couple of his other books that I haven't read, but um, I listened to this one on audio because he narrates it. And it just sounded cool. It sounded up my alley because um, from the description, it kind of sounded like a treatise on public lands and conservation and just, you know, his thoughts and musings on these things and experiences. So I just, yeah, you know, I'm the environmentalist, one of the environmentalists in the group. And I was like, well, this is a uh, semi entertaining. And I thought the group would like it because it's Nick Offerman and, you know, right. he's generally well received by people. <laughs> yes. No, he's a funny dude. I, and he is definitely well liked. So, yeah. Um, Chris, do you want to give your brief? Well, you know what? Go, let me go back to Jen real quick. So, your your brief rundown. What did you, in general, think of the book? Okay, so I liked it, um, and I, it wasn't exactly what I expected. And I know you guys feel the same based on <laughs> snippets of conversation we've had. But um, I liked it for what it was, and I liked the things he had to say. He did get political at times, but I as you know, agree with most of the things that he talked about. And I um, am typically of the notion that we need more people to speak up on these issues and especially people in his position of privilege, you know, middle-aged white male doing pretty good for himself, making money. He's got a public platform. So I like it when people use their platform to speak out on important issues like he did. Um, And I, you know, overall thought it was good. I did think there were times where he jumped around and it was hard to follow kind of okay, how did we get to this from where you were, you know, or like first we're in the woods and next thing you know, he's on a rant about some random, you know, very specific issue. Um, That was a little hard to follow at times. So Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, totally get why that would be frustrating. But overall, I thought the message was good and he was trying to kind of promote an appreciation for nature and our country, the United States, um, from the perspective of like, you know, let's kind of go back to, our roots in terms of conservation, but 
without the whole like genocide and racism and stuff like <laughs> the problematic parts you know he was very yeah. explicit about those things and I, and I appreciate that because that's often glossed over and just ignored so yeah uh sorry about okay chris so what were your initial thoughts uh so yeah i really like nick offerman i am a big fan of parks and rec in fact i'm watching it again um so i really like him and i was looking forward to this um i want to read more nonfiction, and i was like all right let's just see what happens and i listened to it on audible and i do enjoy his voice it's very pleasing what i found hard is that he's very wordy he's very wordy and i think <laughs> it's, it's it, you kind of Unfortunately, he and he is a very intelligent man. Unfortunately, what I found is that a lot of what he was saying was getting lost in the very big words he was using. <laughs> like he overcomplicated it right. uh, a little bit for me. Um, I don't know what that says about me. But um, other than that, I did I did feel like it did jump around a lot, though. But I didn't know what this book was about. I had no expectations. I figured it was about... Um, being environmentally minded and a little bit, uh, you know, conscious of, of things like that. Um, I do enjoy his stances on uh, farming. I loved the stories of him going to that farm in Scotland. Northern England. Yeah. Northern England. Thank you. Um, and uh, just how, you know, you see this dude, basically I can't get the Ron Swanson out of my head. So you're seeing Ron Swanson in the sleet and cold and just miserable weather. And he probably has a shitting grin on his face. Like he's just like, yes. Mm -hmm. Just the way he talked about it was really cute. And um, you can tell that he really loved the way he grew up and how he appreciated how it, it kind of like influenced the way he sees the world now. And that he does really understand and is very aware of his privilege and very aware of, of um, him and his wife's you know, station in life and all that kind of stuff. I do appreciate that. He's not under any delusions of who he is as a person. Uh, very dry, very, very dry sense of humor. Sometimes I had to listen to him and be like, oh, yeah, he's being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I thought, I don't know. I didn't think it was, a, I, I, yeah, just a little bit wordy sometimes, overcomplicating the sentences of what he was trying to get across. But, I mean, I'll listen to the main read phone book, so... Yeah. <laughs> He's got a great voice. He does have a wonderful voice. Yes. He does. Um, okay. So Sean did read the book. Uh, he was going to join us tonight, but unfortunately, uh, the whole migraine was got him. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he gets feeling better here. So if he's listening, you know, get better, dude. Um, I will kind of be his voice as well. Uh, we had a, a, some, a couple of conversations. It sounds like he had, very similar thoughts to me. Um, I'll just say it. I did not like this book. Haters. Now, no. Now, now let me let me explain this. This is why this is this is gonna be weird. I like Nick Offerman. I think he's an awesome dude. Um, uh, you know, I like you said. I enjoy. I've enjoyed his characters that he's played or whatever. I do find his sense of humor funny. Like I I get it. Whenever he's being sarcastic, I'm like, you know, that is that's very funny. Um, he's got a fantastic voice. We've said that before. I think the first thing that we read slash listened to was the, um, uh, uh, bedtime stories for cynics. And I was just like, if dude ever wants to quit our acting, like he could just read audiobooks and be perfectly fine. Um, cause he does have a fantastic voice. Um, his writing is definitely, you're right. It tends to be wordy. He does like to use 
very intellectual words when he's writing, um, which, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I was expecting this to be talking about uh, conservation and environmentalism, which, you know, like I said, that's what I was walking into and that's what I got. And I was just like, cool. Um, I agree with th- this is where it's going to get funny. Um, I like the dude. I I agree with the things that he's saying, like. I, you know, his view, I agree with his viewpoints. I agree with even his political viewpoints. That being said, though, it just came across preachy for some reason. And when I was listening to it, I got, I just, there were just parts. I'm just kind of like a little bit like what you said, Chris. It's like, where did, how did we get here? Like, you know, he goes on these rants about Trump. I, I don't, I hate Trump. Like, I will flat out say it. We try not to get too political on this show, but I am not a Trump supporter in the slightest. But that being said, I'm like, we get it. Let's go back to the story. Uh, you know, it's like you're kind of beating a dead horse here. And it, in some cases, it was like he was telling a story that was interesting. And we just slammed on the brakes and made like just exited the highway as fast as we could. And it's just like, whoa, where did we where are we going? Where, where you know, what happened here? Um, and I think, now granted, you know, uh, uh, John's definitely not, you know, an, an environmental person, but, uh, you know, so he may not have even enjoyed that part, but we definitely, we talked a little bit. We we're both like, man, like it just, he just kept, he just kept beating that dead horse. And it's like, all right, can we, can we get back to the other stuff? Like, so like I said, I did not care for the book, which is funny because like I said, it's not like. It's not like I don't like the dude. It's not like I don't like his voice. It's not like that I don't actually agree with all of his viewpoints. Like, that's the funny thing. It just, to me, it came across preachy, but whatever. So let's get into the book itself. Um, it is called Where the Deer and the Antelope Play. Uh, I think the full title is something like um, uh, Viewpoints from Someone Who Likes to Walk in the Woods or something like that. Um, and it, it, it does start off. He's talking about this book came out literally last year. Uh, so it is very, it was funny because when I was listening to it and he was bringing up stuff, I'm like, Ooh, Whoa, that just, that just seemed like that happened. Um, so, you know, he was, he was making references to some stuff that is very, very recent. Um, which, you know, is fine. I'm just like, okay, this has gotta be his newest book. Uh, cause I hadn't, I hadn't seen if this was his newest or if this was an older one or whatever. So, um, but a lot of it is affected by COVID, and he talks about how uh, during COVID, um, him and his wife, you know, were like, "Hey, why don't we, why don't we do the RV thing and let's go, let's go RVing across the U.S. because you know we can do that and be safe." Um, and he talks about several of the different parks that he goes to. Uh, at one point, he does discuss uh, going, like you said, to uh, Northern England and visiting this person that he's been following on Instagram. I think is what he said. Yes. Can I just uh, throw this out there that I actually interviewed that guy on Sustainably Geeky last year, a year ago, James Rebanks. He he wrote um, pastoral song or English pastoral is, is what it's called over over there. And yeah, like I got to talk to the guy. He was really cool. And when I saw that, that was part of the reason I was excited to read the book. I was like, he knows James. And I talked to James, not that the guy would remember me out of anybody, right. but I kind of like had a frame of reference for everything he was talking about. And he, he like went into detail about the Galloway cows and I got to see Galloway cows in Ireland and like realized that's what he raises over there. So that part was really cool for me because that is fantastic. Yeah. Like I was like, Hey, I, I kind of know that guy. And like, 
everything he's talking about is exactly what his book is about. Like uh, mm-hmm. James's book, it's about uh, sustainable agriculture, renewable, you know, and, and how he's like transitioning his farm to more pastoral. So that was kind of cool for me. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to hear more from James, check out, I think it was like July of 2021 or August, um, Sustainably Geeky. So Very cool. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You said July 2021? It was July or August because I... I remember reading it last summer, yeah, the summer before I moved. So he couldn't have been visiting him more than about six months ahead of that, then. Maybe I mean no, he he I think he's known him for years, but he, his book came out last year, and then right. I read it last July, and yeah, you know. Well, even some of the events that he was talking about, even maybe we'll see. And here's one of those things is because he kind of weaves back and forth. I just assumed yeah. that he went and visited him during COVID and everything that was going on. So maybe maybe that wasn't the case. No, he went oh. in uh, 2019 before. Okay, so it would have been beforehand. Yeah. Okay. But it was really cool how they just became friends over Instagram and yeah. like, hey, you want to come visit the farm? And then he immediately just shows up and gets put to work and he loves it. Yes. Yes. He's like, yeah, pass the stones. And, you know, he's just like building a wall and helping guide the sheep around. Like he's, you know, lived there his whole life. And like you said, he has a shit eating grin all the time. Yes. <laughs> so. Um. But yeah, so it's all these different stories. It's, it's him talking about uh, this. He, he does uh, reference um, some of his growing up and, and, and you know, how he grew up. And, and he does go back and cross-reference. Because uh, if we listen to the the other book with that uh, him and his wife wrote uh, about how they got together. And, and, you know, he does talk a little bit about, you know, him starting out as an actor and, and everything else. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, you know, it, it's... He is definitely coming at it from that, you know, from, from an aspect of, you know, what we need to do, what do we need to do and what we need to be doing to uh, protect these 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 national parks, these these, you know, these really awesome parks that he's he's getting to go around and stuff. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious that one part where he's talking about crap. Was it Big Ben National Park? And he's like, it's a total shithole. No one should go there because <laughs> he's like. That, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He didn't like, want no, anybody to go and ruin. No, it. no one yeah, needs to go there. Everyone go just there. stay away from it. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we started talking about, because I, I was like, when you listen, I, I you do other things, right? So then I had to stop myself. I'm like, oh, he's being funny. Yeah. <laughs> just so dry. Yeah. Because it's, it's literally, it's an absolute shithole. No one should go there with the beautiful scenery and the wonderful bridges and mm-hmm. the charming parks. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> garbage yeah it's garbage it's all horrible oh uh, yeah stay away yeah but um yeah so what were what were some of the things that y'all y'all read that y'all enjoyed some anything that stuck out in particular um i liked the part at the beginning where you know they're starting out down the trail in montana i think and instantly they run across the obnoxious loud tourists yeah for the first mile or two and he's like badger and it's a marmot or something and i just laughed out loud because i have you know experienced that where you're just you know you're trying to enjoy the hike and get to the nature and you've got all these obnoxious people that are just there for the selfies or whatever and don't know what's going on so personally i liked that and i also enjoyed the fact that texas got its own chapter about (laughs) Not just how like much he loved Austin, but how terrible Greg Abbott is in many parts of the state. And I was like, thank you for pointing that out because you're right. 
Yeah, I was kind. Of, I was interested to see where he was going, because like literally right before that, I was just like, oh well, let's see what he says about Texas. But you're right. Yes, he did say that he he loves Austin and and the the parks that are here. He he mm-hmm. loved going to them as well and everything. So, and I connect with like the things he liked about Austin and Big Bend and you know things like that on a personal level. So mm-hmm. that was nice because I you know Texas and I have kind of a love hate relationship right now, but I, those are some of the things I do love about the state. And and I kind of appreciate that someone else, you know, completely unconnected with me also sees that. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Chris, anything in particular stand out that you really liked or. Um, I like the way he talked about um, his time in Northern England, just being on that farm and just how much he, he loved it. I also thought it was hilarious the way he was talking about his siblings, about when they went for Thanksgiving and there was like there was this tension and he had no clue and then found out like two weeks later that they were both pissed off at each other for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> that sounds like my family. Um, and he's like, yeah, I totally dealt with it by not talking about it at all and asking someone else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, passive aggressive. That's exactly what happens. You don't deal with it. You pipe it all in and you're just like, that's not a good way to deal with things. Um, it's just nice to know that, you know, other families do that. Um, well, that was one of those times that he pointed out, like, and he does say, you know, he, he does come out and say several times, like he said before, that, um, you know, he's like, I, we, I know I'm very privileged. I know we're in a very, you know, uh, we're in a position that a lot of people aren't in. You know, we, we didn't, it's not like, you know, we were dying, you know, not being able to go to work and stuff. Uh, but that the whole point of the tension was the fact that, he just kind of made the assumption that because, you know, COVID testing was so readily available where he was at, that that was the case with the rest of his family. And they're just like, no, yeah. like it's we cannot find them. We cannot get them. So you're kind of insisting is like, cool. So you're just saying we're poor. We can't show up. And it's like, no, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so we don't we don't have any problems with our family like that. Right. There's no miscommunication. Never. Uh, <laughs> so I did. I enjoyed that. Um you can tell that he does love being in nature. Like that's his, that's where he feels most like himself and where he finds his peace. And that's sort of his, his happy place. And I like listening to that. It did. Um, the political stuff was cool. I, I knew he was, he had like echoes of, of um, Ron Swanson with the, you know, the woodworking and the canoeing and being an outdoors man. But I also knew he wasn't a libertarian. So listening mm-hmm. to, it's the first time I've heard him outright say his political views. Um, I felt it now that I'm we're talking about everything. It felt kind of like um, Sarah Wilson's book, this one precious life, one wild precious life, and that with her book, it also kind of jumped all over the place too. Um, and it was about her adventures, which were very grand and very wonderful to listen to. But it still, it was like you're all over the place, and it kind of had like a weird flow to it that way um but yeah it's it's not doom and gloom that's also what i like he didn't say we're all screwed which was nice that was refreshing uh (laughs) uh any novel suggestions other than you know go vote and start thinking about things a little differently it's like well we all we all know that so um i didn't expect nip offerman to like change the world or anything like that with the book i thought it was you know it's a just a different perspective from somebody that maybe you would think didn't give a shit based on his yeah 
what he does for a living and, um, you know, where he lives. And And I I think some of what he said was kind of just a good reminder about how to be a decent human and member of society. Like, yeah, it was a little preachy at times, but also, you know, he points out like wearing a mask is like the least like like the most giving thing you can do, you know, and and it's like the very minimum you can do to help your fellow man. And just like I, I don't remember what does he call it, like the, the big economy or something like doing things for the greater good mm-hmm. um, rather than money. You know, he says because money all the time, because, yeah, like yeah. that's the, the motivation for so many things in America and the world is like you know, well, screw the environment and the people living there and whatever, you know, whoever gets hurt in the way because money. And um, I, I, I think in a lot of ways, like, you know, we're kind of, tie, you know, keyed into a lot of these messages anyway. So we all kind of, I think, think and agree with what he says, but there might be people out there who don't think that way. So maybe some of this was a good reminder, good way to just like get them thinking about certain things, you know, maybe even if, you know, in the end, they're not. I, I kind of hope that the libertarian Ron Swanson's out there that expected the Ron Swanson messaging, listen to it mm-hmm. and go, oh, or they might just stop listening because they get so disgusted and throw the book across. The room or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, my but hope is that he got through to somebody. At least. <laughs> and he very well might have. I mean, he is a very I mean, he's not like Tom Cruise, but, you know, he's yeah. got notoriety and same with his wife and she's a very pretty voice by the way oh yeah was nice. at the end oh, yeah. I, is that megan and then he said it was and yeah. i listened to the whole thing um yeah if you listen to the book guys you get to hear megan mullally sing she has a band too so she does never heard she it but. played in their last book but yeah. i didn't think that kind of i didn't think anyway um yeah i think it's it's not a doom and gloom climate. It's not a gloom and doom environmental book. So if you need something that's got some humor in it and a little, you know, a little bit, it takes you on some adventures and you know you got a little bit of um, escapism there while learning stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing that he said that I'm I most liked, um, I, I almost feel like this book should have been broken into two. Like it should have been. Like, I don't even know if he should really write an entire book on his political views. Like, like I said, it was just the I think that was my problem with it is, you know, I got I got, you know, the environmental stuff, which I'm fine with. I'm cool with and and everything. And then, like, I'm still cool with his political ideas. They just to me, they just ran together so hard. And I'm just like I was trying to find why is it this way? And he specifically says one thing that I actually really, really liked. And I think it's, you know, me just guessing here, this is why he hung, he was able to put the two things together, why he thought they went together so well. Um, When he talks about um, the explanation of what a real conservative is. Mm -hmm. And that's when I'm just like, okay, well, I see maybe that's why he's adding all this political stuff because his explanation of being what a real conservative is, is still what I hold true to be what should be a real conservative and the way he explains it, he's like a conservative is someone who's like you're killing this animal and you're not going to use every part of it you're not going to use the meat and the hide and the antlers you're not going to no you're just going to throw it away that that's that's wasteful why are, why are you doing that that's wrong why would you not want to keep the land you know healthy and keep it going so we can keep reusing it you know it it's mm-hmm. it is a resource that we can either destroy or we can keep going and 
that ideology of that's what a conservative should be is the old idea of what a conservative would have been politically. It would have been, you know, why are we spending all this money to do this? We need to be conserving money. We need to be this is a precious commodity that we need to be holding on to. We don't need to be just frivolously throwing money away and, and collecting money and raising taxes and stuff. Of course, that's gone way out the window. But <laughs> like I said, I liked that explanation. And that's where I kind of thought, well, maybe that's where he's he's thinking these two things kind of really go together. Like I said, that's just my guess. But I did like I really liked his definition of what a real conservative is and not the BS people running around right now, you know, you know, flaunting all their, you know, idiotic ideas about, you know, women's rights and, you know, sexuality and all this other stuff. So like, yeah, no, that's not that's not really it. You should uh, you should not be going to Walmart. You should be, you know, farming in your backyard, dude, <laughs> if you want to call yourself conservative. Mm -hmm. So Jen did. I, I thought Jen froze for a second there. I think she did. Yeah. She not? Oh, no, we may have lost Jen. I totally lost her. I can't even hear her. Yeah. No, it dropped me. Like oh. the call completely dropped. Okay. Well, you we can hear you now. So the app like closed for no reason. No. Okay. Well, you, you were frozen. I, I can't see myself. So. Okay. Well, you were. Well, right now we don't see you. It's just your avatar. So it, it's okay. But you were frozen in a in a pose like you were thinking about something, and I was like, man, is you really taking in everything I'm saying? <laughs> I was gonna say something, and then the app just literally closed. So you just can closed on you. Okay. Out. I actually think um, my like virus protector is blocking my video, and I don't know how to because I closed it before I read it. I don't know how to go in and fix that. <laughs> well, that's fine. We'll keep going from where we are. So. Um, I was just gonna like in response to what you were just saying about um you know how he connected the two things or whatever the politics and the environmental stuff mm -hmm. i think what he's doing is indicative of a larger trend in the environmental movement of intersectionality and the fact that environmental issues are not distinct from other political issues and especially issues of race and class and gender and things like that. So I, I kind of appreciate that he brought that in because you can't anymore really talk about one without including the others because they're all connected. Environmental justice is, you know, about how these environmental issues affect race and vice versa. So um, I guess that's kind of my perspective on how it works. And, and I think coming from someone like him, it might be, you know, more what, what better received or well received by certain parts of the population, maybe, hopefully so. That makes sense, and I totally I, I get that. Um, so maybe even it's more of just an advertising situation. Maybe it just it like we kind of said it needs to maybe maybe the subtext for the the you know it needs to be, hey, I'm going to be talking about my ideas for nature and stuff while I'm going on a walk and maybe hmm. some political things here and there. Just just throwing yeah. I, you know, I don't know. So. Yeah, maybe just rambling thoughts of Nick Offerman on a hike. <laughs> there you go. That may actually be better because <laughs> there would literally be random stuff. Be like, all right, cool. So you can talk think, about your dogs yeah. and stuff too. I think Ray would have probably read it because that's where he got stuck. He's just like, oh, can't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a pastoral observations of one ignorant American who loves to walk outside. Mm -hmm. So yeah, going back to your your point about using uh, nice big words there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like 
a guy's rambling thoughts while walking in the woods would have been way more direct, you know, Maybe. more <laughs> American has like a fifth grade reading level. Um, yeah, it was published in, it was published in October. Uh, so yeah, it is very up to date. So some of the stuff that he brings up is, is like, Ooh, wow. Yeah. That, that just, that seems like that just happened. I mean, no, technically it's almost been a year now, but still it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I didn't realize that it was it was his his newest book and how recently it had been released. So, uh, yeah. So some of the political stuff that he was bringing up, I was just like, "Whoa, that's that's recent." It just but, happened. Uh, yeah. Um, was there anything else anyone wanted to add? Anything else you enjoyed, disliked, um, wish would have been in there? <laughs> I just thought, um, based on this book and the other book, you know, like his. Uh, the way he approaches things and the way he talks about his interactions with just random strangers. Um, I'm just like, man, he's just so down to earth, you know, like he has a woodworking shop and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's not like your typical Hollywood high maintenance. I need like his writer was, I need, you know, something to eat and two beers or something after a show. <laughs> and he didn't yeah. even get the beers half the time. So I thought that was, you know, just kind of cool how that came across without him having to say it. It was just like, yeah, you know, if you ran into this guy on the trail, he'd be happy to, you know, chat with you. But I will say I saw his stand up once and he talked about um, when people approached him for pictures and they they wanted to just take a picture of him. Like he went on a rant about that and he talks about that in the book. So I thought that was kind of funny because if you ever meet Nick Offerman in person and want a picture, he will oblige only if you're in the picture. Don't try to take a picture of him by himself because that's creepy and weird <laughs> yeah I, under, I totally understand that that point yeah. as well like especially i mean because the selfie has become so much you know so ingrained in our mm-hmm. you know who we are and stuff like that like i don't know maybe i don't know if this is totally off topic but maybe that was something that's like like i could see that being like back in the 80s like oh look at so-and-so and you get a picture of it and yeah now that you not that want just, a picture with him <laughs> Yeah, that just sounds weird. Like, why would you not go up to that person and be like, can I get a picture with you? And like, because if you said, can I get a picture of you? They'd be like, um, okay, weird person. Like, like yeah. Animal. Yeah. So. And I also thought it was funny that the guy that ran into him on the trail was just like, oh, hey, Nick, without even seeing him first. He just heard his voice. Because yeah. he was recording something. <laughs> yes. And he, was he wearing a mask on the trail? I don't I don't know. That I don't seems think a little so. overboard. I, I don't even, I wasn't even wearing masks outside during the peak of it you know just because i'm like i'm outdoors and there's nobody around but yeah yeah totally yeah that, uh, you know I'd, I'd see some of these poor kids walking back and forth from school with their mask on i'm like i just want to roll down the window and be like you can take it off now it's super hot outside don't kill yourself you know <laughs> like please take care i mean you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of other people thank you for that but you're good <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um yeah, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to throw. Oh, I, I did. Uh, it's not like I'm not like done and I don't think I won't read anything else by him. In fact, I, I kind of want to look through the rest of the books that he's done and mm-hmm. I want to see if he's done one on his woodworking shop, because I would probably find that fascinating. I think he did one about yeah. new or something like that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that one has a lot to do with building his own <laughs> stuff with wood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a canoe is a huge investment in time and energy and stuff. Uh, one of his one of his friends, um, 
I follow him, Jimmy DeResta on YouTube. He references the canoe that he made all the time, and he, he even references – I think he said Nick offered – he's like, yeah, I think when Nick decided he was going to do one, he's like, well, I guess I got to do one now too. So <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the – it's kind of like building a lightsaber for a Jedi, like for a woodworker that's like, all right, well, I've built a canoe, so I'm in the club now, so. The ultimate, yeah. Yeah, because it's yeah, – I have, Like I said, I have his other books in paperback, and they looked funny. I just never got around to reading them, but I'm, I don't – I would guess they're not as political – just because I think he wrote those earlier in his career when and it was like more exploratory and hobbyish, you know. But yeah, exactly. So, well, <laughs> if he also wrote them earlier, I mean, you know, shit may not have gone down as bad, you know. <laughs> right. Free Trump and all that. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about uh, the United States existential existential crisis, and it was like, when was the last time you would say as a as a nation, we were like happy, and it was like, well, it's definitely got to be like. You could argue before 2016. You could argue before 2001. Like, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, well, even you just kind of look at it and you're like, well, what was in the news? And it was like, oh, so and so's getting divorced. And it was like, oh, really? That was that was the worst thing to deal with, huh? Man, we were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well, that is our discussion for uh, Where the Deer and the Antelope Play. Our uh, next book coming up next month, ooh, is my pick. Um, I don't expect to see either one of you on here for that. <laughs> uh, and that was not on, necessarily on purpose. Um, so our next book is is called Infinite by Jeremy Robinson. The reason I picked it is because I was talking about it with Sean a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I've read some of his other books, but I don't think I've read that one. I was just like, so are his books like crazy? Like, like just like all over the place. He's like, no, not really. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well then maybe you need to read this one. And I talked Ray into reading it. And Ray was like, I think the text message I got was just like, what, what the what, like, what did I just (laughs) read? And that's why I picked it because I need other people to discuss this with, Hey, there's Ray right there. Um, I need other people to discuss this with. So that's why I picked it anyway. So that's next month. Next month's book is infinite. Um, there's, a lot of pretty graphic violence in it, so that's why uh, Chris, I'm sure, is, is ducking out of that one, and I'm sure Jen will be uh, back to your studies. So um, after that is uh, Half Share by Nathan Lowell, and then Ravenwood by Nathan Lowell. Uh, which is that still going to be the case, Ray, or are we? Are you changing your mind? Changing your I need mind. I need to discuss it further. Okay, so <laughs> so we've at least got our next two books, Infinite and, and Half Share. So um let's discuss what we've been reading um would anyone like to go first sure all right what else you've been reading chris so last night i just finished a book called the school of mirrors by it's either eva or eva i don't know um and this is a polish last name that i'm about to butcher i'm sorry uh okay um she is Polish. Well, she lives in Canada now with her husband. Um, but it is. Uh, is that that? What is going on with Jennifer's video? That is the I'm weirdest. Trying to change my camera. I'm sorry. It wasn't supposed to get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you listen it, to the audio, 
me. You probably should go watch the video. This is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying, Chris. Okay, so uh, this book uh, takes place in 18th century France around the reign of King Louis the Fifteenth. I did a massive project in college on Louis the Fourteenth, so kind of a little bit obsessed with Versailles and France. And so, and this is leading up. So it starts there. Um, there had been rumors. This is it's historical fiction. So there's rumors that uh, Louis the Fifteenth. Um, because he's king and can do whatever the hell he wants, um, decided in and around the middle of his reign, he's about 45, that he had a pension for young teenage girls. And uh, there would be these girls who were kind of like, their families were down on luck, they needed money. Um, and this one girl named Veronique, um, basically her mother sold her to this house called Deer Park. And what these girls were told is that they were going to be meeting with a Polish count because the queen at the time, um, his wife was Polish. So that's how they got around that whole thing. And it was in secret. And um, Veronique played her part. She, the way that she described the first time she had sex was just like, these kind of, anyways, it was kind of hilarious. Um, but then she got pregnant. Um, and then sent away baby was taken from her she went nuts and then they do it from the point of view of the daughter only the daughter doesn't know who she is who her dad is none of that and then it leads up to um the french revolution when king louis the 16th gets uh executed and then um marie antoinette so it's really really interesting historical fiction um the french revolution was bonkers they even changed their calendars the way they did time, like instead of um, 60 minutes in an hour, it was 100 minutes in what? an hour. They had uh, different months, like days of the month, like uh, month names. They got completely rid of the Gregorian calendar. Um, oh, yeah. it was, And I didn't know any of that. So I was reading this. I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah, and, I didn't know any of that either. Yeah. So it's it's really good. Not normally something I would read, but it said Versailles on it. So I'm like, I have to read it now. <laughs> So I'm reading that, and then I, I'm reading Thief Lord now by, I can't remember her name, and I got it at the ReStore for a dollar. So that's what I'm reading after I finish that. Nice. Ray, what have you been reading? <laughs> reading, babe. <laughs> I, I'm going to jump in because I didn't join the show, but, you know, I'm going to jump in anyway because yeah. I read Columbus Day. You did. You read Columbus Day? I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, Eugene does. I do. Um, can I? Should I jump in now? Sure. <laughs> All right. So um, our friend Sean, I guess, on a whim or whatever, uh, kind of looked it up. If in the fourth Bobaverse book, there's a group of Bobs, and they are known as Skippies, and like the rest of us, he had no clue. Well, what is this reference? I mean, almost everything in the book is a reference to something else. What is this reference? Why are these guys known as Skippies? So we looked it up, and it turns out it's because of this this book series called Expeditionary Force. And there's 13 books with the fourth, 14th one on the way. And so he's like, well, I'll give this a read. And he literally reports in and is like, yeah, it's about – oh, there she is. Uh, it's about uh, – and it's stuck again. That's hilarious. I'm going to take a picture of that, and that's going to be judgmental, Jennifer. It's just bad. The video's bad in this Okay, one. at least you're moving now. So, um, anyway, so in this in this book series, it's about aliens invading and and humans going out and fighting with aliens and this that and the other. And there's this essentially a beer can that's all silver, and it's it's a 
elder AI from this this race that had like ascended like they were so advanced and everything else and lived millions of years ago and they left some technology and he's one of them and he's like well what do I call you and he's like you know call me like you know the greatest thing you've ever met you know I'm the I'm the I'm the smartest thing you will ever meet and blah 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 and he's like I'm gonna call you Skippy so and it sticks and once you like up to six to eight hours into this book you're like yeah this is okay and then when you make skippy it just kind of takes off and i am i just finished book six and there's a like a 3.5 book in there as well so I've, i'm about seven books in um i'm chomping at the bit to get more credits because i had a stash of credits and i just ripped through these <laughs> books there's like 14 books yeah so i'm about halfway through um and oh my god they're like i said it's 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 it is interesting the story that they're telling is interesting the characters they're telling are interesting but you're there for skippy's interaction with the captain that's that's why you're there and it's it's fantastic it's so oh my god it's so funny i have literally laughed out loud multiple times listening to this book um and it's a like long time to have to go through the book to get to the good part <laughs> well you would think so but then the rest of the books are are just you know they keep going and, and honestly it's not like it was boring up to that point it just wasn't anything new it was like okay so some one one alien race invaded us and turns out they're really kind of not the bad guys and the people who we thought were the good guys are actually the bad guys and it's kind of some back and forth and and then like i said once skippy comes in it's just like I mean, shit's really like it's tense. There's a lot of stakes, but like he because he talks down he everyone he call he calls all humans monkeys. Like he's just like, and of course some people might have might not like being called a monkey. And he's like, well, fine. Then you're like you're like algae. Like is that better? Do you want me to call you algae instead? <laughs> so you might be an amoeba. Yeah, you might be an amoeba. You might have the intellect of an amoeba. But the way he talks down to people. Oh my God! Like he'll he trash talks he trash talks his buddy who's the captain. His buddy trash talks him back back and forth or whatever. But like there's this one part later on in the book series we get introduced to this guy. He's I can't even remember the guy's name because I just know him by the nickname. He's just like look he looks like Count Chocula. That's what I'm calling him. And like <laughs> like during like while this stuff's going on they could be in the middle of this battle and like he'll come on the screen to tell everyone to do something and he just. He replaces the video of him as a monkey or Count Chocolate talking, and you're just like, this is the wrong time. Don't do this. This is funny as hell, but you can't do this right now. We're all about to die. <laughs> so, oh, my God, it's it's so good, and that's all I've been reading. Like I said, I'm like six or seven books in, and I just – I cannot wait for more credits. So, anywho's it. Jen, have you been reading anything else? Well, other than a shit ton of articles for school, mm-hmm. um, I have been read. I actually did read a book called – can't see it. No Friend But the Mountain by Behrouz Bouchani. And it's a book by a Kurdish journalist who fled to Australia to seek asylum back in like 2014. And he was illegally detained and imprisoned for five years on Manus Island in Papua New Guinea. And it talks about his experience. He wrote it from prison. He like typed it out on WhatsApp and texted it to his translators and they compiled it into this book. And it's really interesting and like insightful. It's really good. It is very sad, obviously, because he's talking about, you know, being illegally Mm -hmm. detained with hundreds of other people. Um, But it's like a mixture of poetry that he 
he writes and his experiences and like the people in the prison and what they're going through and kind of the um he calls it manis prison theory and and just like the the whole structure the power structure behind imprisonment and incarceration in general and it's it's an interesting book i i had to read an excerpt of it in class and that turned me on to this and so um yeah it, it was just I think it's something everyone should read just to be aware of like this shit's happening in the world in countries like Australia and the United States. And and we're like just turning a blind eye to it. They're illegally imprisoning people. They're spending millions of dollars to imprison people when the people could be like contributing to the economy and making the country money. But we're putting them in prison and spending money on them instead. So, yeah, very shocking. But yeah, yeah, read it in public. You won't cry or anything <laughs> but no yeah nice easy read that's my read huh that's nice a, easy read yeah. Just, no, yeah. oh and then before that since it's been a while since we've since i've been on i read um climate justice by mary robinson who is the one former president of ireland and uh it's a very quick read it's like 120 pages and it's just collections of stories of mostly women some men doing climate activist work around the world and just like people she's interacted with because she's a big climate activist and she's part of the elders, um, the council of the elders. And she's like working with the UN on climate justice. So that was a, that was a happy read. It was, you know, there's obviously sadder parts of it because it's about climate change, but she's shining a light on people doing good work. So. Cool. Good deal. Well, that is our show for the month, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please give us a five-star rating on Google Stitcher, iTunes, wherever it is you listen to the show. You can also watch us on YouTube as well. You can find us at Epically Geeky, where you can find the rest of our shows, including the Epically Geeky show, Creatively Geeky, and Sustainably Geeky. Uh, you can find us on all of the social networks as well, at Epically Geeky. Where can we find you online, Jen? Um, you can find me sometimes here, and always on Sustainably Geeky, and um, on Instagram and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. Chris? Uh, you can find me here at Epically Geeky, and creatively geeky and sustainably geeky i'm everywhere i'm very sorry if you were tired of this face and this voice never never uh, <laughs> oh go away <laughs> <laughs> uh and on instagram at moody midlife ray no you just got here <laughs> you that's why i was off you can't <laughs> sit with us Aww. uh the reluctant <laughs> yeti on instagram if i'm yeah. allowed Oh, <laughs> and as always, you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone in the site, have a good night. This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 